Hi everyone, welcome to Huddle Home Office. I'm Mark Legere. The Harvest Music Festival in Fredericton has a lot to celebrate this year. It's the 30th anniversary of the popular late summer festival, and it's back after one year off because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Megan Morrison is the chair of the organizing committee. Jeff Richardson is the general manager. They're longtime fans of the festival, as well as key organizers. They join me to chat about their memories of past festivals and what to expect this year. Hi, Megan. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Mark. Hi, Mark. How are you doing this morning? I think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> we're in the, the final days here before the festival kicks off. So we're busy, but we're, uh, we're in good spirits. Yes, I just realized that that, that in, in a situation like this, that kind of question for me isn't just small talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You could give me a huge answer to that question alone. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I know yeah, so when is liftoff? Liftoff, well, we actually, we have, we're starting a little early this year. Liftoff is this Friday night, Friday, September 10th um, at the Playhouse. And then we really kick into high gear on Tuesday, September 14th. It's almost like we have a, a little bit of an extra warm up this year after a year almost off. Nice to have a, a little show to get us get us started. What is that show going to be on Friday night? Uh, Lily Hyatt. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> no, you nailed it. It's Lily Hyatt. She's uh, an Americana artist from uh, from the United States. Uh, reference point would be if you if you know the music of someone like Kathleen Edwards. It's sort of in that vein of folk rock Americana. And uh, she also happens to be the daughter of one of our other performers, John Hyatt's daughter. Uh, so uh, we're really excited to, to, to welcome her to the, uh, to the Playhouse. And uh, the Hypochondriacs local band from Fredericton here will be supporting her. Wow, that's a great show to start off with. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. Well, before we, I know this is the 30th anniversary, and I know, uh, you know, we want to sort of dig into a little bit of the history around the festival and how it's evolved. Um, and then, of course, this year's festival. But first, I'd love uh, to get a sense, you know, from the two of you, your own personal connection to this, uh, how long you've been involved, you know, and some of your best memories. So, uh, Megan, why don't we why don't we start with you? For sure. Uh, so I'm not the best with memory, but um, when I try to figure out how long I've been involved with the festival, I know I was a patron at the 10th. And somehow between then and probably the 12th, I uh, wound myself up on the organizing committee. Mark, someone asked if I wanted to come sell CDs and uh, T-shirts for some bands at a festival. And suddenly I was helping organize this wonderful thing and I've been doing it ever since. Um, yeah, just mostly through hospitality and that kind of thing for the majority of my volunteering experience. And then recently moved more into kind of organizing on the board of directors with the executive and now chairing after a few years, kind of time to take my turn as chair. Great. Now for you, um, do you come to this as, you know, community organizer, as a, as a big music fan? Like what, 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 what motivates you to put so much work into this? I love live music. That's kind of maybe what brought me first as a fan, but then I started um, I guess noticing so many people that were involved in it and I wanted to be part of that. I love the community aspect and it's interesting now thinking back over, I don't know, 17-ish years volunteering, how many of my close friends have come from Harvest. I don't know how else I would have met them. <laughs> and uh, it's just been, become part of everything I do. A lot of people associate me with Harvest, which is really flattering now too, right? We kind of have a big group of people that we always say we kind of hold this festival in trust for the community, but as a volunteer organizer, it's pretty amazing to be associated with something that's so so big and such a part of so many people's lives. 
Do you have any, and I know you probably have many memories of, of shows. Do you have shows that stand out for you when you look back over those 17 or 18 years? Absolutely. Um, some of the big ones for me would be, you know, as an organizer, oftentimes you're running around and you only catch glimpses of shows. There's there's something about the end of the festival when you get to sort of sit back and look at what's happening in front of you. So we've had amazing musical moments. Seeing Robert Plant play behind the Playhouse is absolutely astounding. But I, um, I think back to uh, being at the Blues Tent for one of the first big afterburners I remember, which is this band called DJ Champion and his G-Strings. And it was sort of electronic music being played live with a live DJ. And the entire blues tent was just kind of bumping, jumping up and down. And it was such a moment for me to look out over the crowd and just be like, I can't believe this is it. It was Saturday night. The festival was almost wrapped up. And that's still one of those ones that whenever I hear one of those tunes, it really brings me back to that. Were you at that show, Jeff? I wasn't at that one. No, I missed that one. I saw him the second time around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For you, how about you, Jeff? How what, how long have you been involved? And in, and tell me about some of your, your your memories over the years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I so I started working with Harvest in 2019. I started as a general manager here, um, and it was sort of yeah, I guess secretly uh, my my dream job for for decades because I've been I've been coming to Harvest as long as I can remember. I used to come. Um, way back when I was a kid uh, with my dad to um, the the free shows in Officers Square. My dad's a, a jazz musician. He's a singer uh, with the, the Thomists. And so music has always been a part of uh, a part of our life, my life. And, and so coming to those shows as a kid, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then, then I remember my first tent show going to see this blues artist named Mighty Sam McLean when I was in high school. And I thought, okay, this is, this is what live music is. You know, all these people in a tent and the atmosphere, it's hot and sweaty and people are dancing and there's someone just like giving it all on stage. I thought, you know, like live music is for me. So, um, you know, I, I then went to as, as many, as much, uh, took in as much harvest as I could. Uh, and then I was, uh, I moved to Toronto for uh, about a decade, but would still pop home as much as, as possible in the fall. It was sort of like, a great time of year to come home because it's sort of like a homecoming for Fredericton. So you see all your friends and this great live music. Um, and then, so when we were, my partner and I moved back to, to Fredericton in 2012 and I knew that I was going to be involved with Harvest in some way, whether it was uh, certainly as a patron, but, but if I could volunteer or, or somehow end up working with these folks, it, it's where I wanted to be. Yeah. Dude, what shows jump out for you? Really, the one the one I always come back to um, was uh, uh, when we had first moved home. Um, Charles Bradley uh, and his Extraordinaires, I think the band was called, uh, was playing in the blues tent, and there was there was buzz about him uh, being the you know this the guy to see. He sort of hit his career stride in his like late fifties, early sixties, I think, Meg, and um, and just you know you might as well be watching James Brown. Uh, up there, just an incredible showman with the daptones backing him, backing him up. This incredible horn section and just, just amazing stuff. And and my partner and I sat like in awe, you know, moved to tears at times. He was such a good performer, and we thought to ourselves, like, this guy's the opener. Who on earth all of <laughs> this? Who who would say, yeah, I'll have Charles Bradley open for me? And then lo and behold, uh, Sharon Jones. Uh, Sharon Jones comes on stage. Uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, and it was like, 
it just took it to a next level. I mean, Megan talks about, you know, the tent levitating. People were floating in that tent. It was probably the, yeah. the most incredible live music experience I've ever witnessed. Um, and, and stands, I mean, stands up with all the, the, the shows I've seen all around the world. Like this was just it, it, exceptional. I will never forget seeing Charles Bradley and Sharon Jones on the same bill uh, in a parking lot in downtown Fredericton here. <laughs> That's the, the joke is always like, you know, just on the parking lot behind City Hall. Yeah. We keep our oh, cars during the week. Yeah. Trey Anastasio just back there just walked from, you know, my friend's house downtown to see him in, in behind the City Hall parking lot. Mm-hmm. So, so Jeff, it must have been a, a thrill then to, with all of that history and, and being a big fan to, to come into the role that you're in now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in particular, my background has been largely in uh, in education and nonprofit. I worked with with a couple of charities and with United Way before this. So I'm I really uh, my heart is in community development in in working with uh, you know on with charities and nonprofits and working with volunteers and understanding the the history and legacy of that that one of the most special things about Harvest is that it's volunteer driven, that you're working with, um, you know, with a core group of a hundred volunteers who are working year round to, to get this thing together um, and to give back to the community. And, and then to, then, then that come Harvest week, we, we end up engaging, you know, 800 to a thousand volunteers to make it happen. Um, organizationally, it, it appeals to me in terms of the, the ethos and, and the, uh, the structure and, and how, how this thing comes together. Um, the layer, you know, there's nothing I like more than going to a live show to sort of be able to work in, in this is, uh, it's an absolute dream for sure. Yeah. Hey, well, and, and yeah, and, and knowing that this is so, you know, largely community driven, volunteer driven, and then on top of that, it, it has this enormous impact in, in Fredericton and, you know, there are examples of other festivals around the province. That's the same thing where, you know, small, small business, especially in that downtown core, really rely on on the work that's done by volunteers to carry this to carry this off every year and I'm sure there's a lot of small businesses that in that downtown core that would testify to the fact that not having it for a year was a big deal for them right yeah we we heard that a lot last year mark we did hear you know that, that it was um, you know a lot of the uh, there are many downtown uh, establishments that plan their year around harvest you know from that, that it's an important really important piece um, of their, of their business year. And, uh, and its absence was, was certainly noted last year. Yeah. 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 Now looking back as we are now, you know, at, at 30 years, I, I was having a, a conversation with, uh, my wife the other day about, uh, about this conversation you, the three of us were going to have today. And she had mentioned, isn't, isn't that a jazz and blues festival? And because I think I had said harvest music festival can you talk to me a little bit about the evolution of this from from those early days? And of course, jazz and blues should be still a strong component of this festival, but has grown into something uh, broader. And is this the first year that you've you've rebranded the name? Yeah, this was our our big change. We felt like this change was coming over the last you know five or six years at least. We could sort of see it um, in how the programming was changing. Not that there was you know not always jazz and blues involved with it, but there was so much more. And uh, you'd hear every once in a while from folks, you know, oh, I don't, I don't like jazz and blues music. And, you know, we have a huge student population here who have this amazing world-class festival happening just downtown. And and for folks to maybe not associate themselves with that, it, it's, you know, we're Americana. We are 
you know, world music at times. We've had a big Zydeco influence that brought us a long, a long way there. Um, it's just interest. It's been an interesting evolution. And so the name change is really trying to evoke a, we're broader than that. We're all different types of music, but knowing that our roots are really in that jazz and blues. And the first couple of festivals were a group of friends getting uh, with a passion for that type of music, getting together, saying, let's, let's put on some shows in some clubs downtown and try to see if we can get more people turned on to this type of music. But as it evolved, so did the different music that people who were involved with wanted to bring to Fredericton. So it's, it's been kind of a, a natural growth, I think, over that time. So how have things grown just in terms of, and I know it's hard to go back to those, those early, early days, but to what it was when it first started three years ago and what it, what it is now, like how, how significant has been the growth? Well, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's been, I think part of the success of Harvest has been it's, you know, every year that the, the organizer, organizers sort of sat back and said, what, what can we do more this year? How can we grow a little bit? And it's how can we build on last year's success and do a little bit more? Can we move from just this pub and club model to a stage outside in Officer Square? And what if we put a roof over it? Maybe we could do a second venue, right? And gee, could we bring in an artist from, you know, from the West Coast? Or maybe like, could we get some American artists here? And it just sort of, I think part of it has been, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of consistency in, in, in many of our, our hardcore volunteers, we call them, have been with us 25, 26, 27 years, um, have been committed that long and have been been driven by, you know, this, this goal of providing world-class music, bringing world-class music to, to downtown Fredericton um, in, a, in an accessible way, right? So I think that, that those have been sort of the, the, the sort of, um, you know, the, the goals that we, they've, they've, stri- they've been, we've been striving for. And I think it's just been little by little every year, Mark, more and more people mm-hmm. uh, getting engaged and, and providing different kind of venues. And to Megan's point about sort of expanding the, the number of genres we present, the number of evenings that we, we present, giving different, different ticketing options, and then really leaning into um, free programming as well to make sure that okay. we can we can include is provide a, provide an accessible and inclusive experience that, that we can say you know you can yeah that yeah we have ticketed shows but we've got free shows we've got buskers we've got the street experience we're engaging local businesses and pubs and clubs to do their own own programming and it sort of becomes Fredericton's you know home, homecoming week and it just you know with with that that focus on the programming and being inclusive and accessible and then also engaging um, members of the business community to support it, to say, you know, like, will you, will you join us on this crazy adventure? You know, will you put your name on this tent or on this ticket? Can we show your logo on the poster? Um, can we, you know, can we offer some programming in store here and try to make it really a broad community initiative so that we're looking after sort of like, you know, the music lovers who want to who want to come out and, and really get into the music, the folks who just want to come out and see their friends because they haven't seen them in a year. We want to, you know, give a little boost to, to local business and to, uh, and to be able to support local artists and technicians and whatnot. So it's, we, you know, Megan used the word, I think, you know, that, that our board sort of holds this in trust for the community. We really view it as a, a community initiative, uh, a community, you know, a, 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 a community I guess, event that, that belongs to the city and that everyone can enjoy and, and benefit from. So I, I think that's been part of the secret of of, uh, of its growth, right? Rooting it in those principles and then just sort of like throwing a little gas on the fire every year, see how much we can do. 
It's in interesting. So um, a lot of my volunteer time has been spent in hospitality, which tends to be kind of that backstage, less seen thing. But the people you get to see are the artists on stage, which, you know, a lot of the energy in Harvest is that back and forth between the artists and the crowd. And it's been an interesting thing hearing folks come from somewhere else, having really no idea where they're coming, that drive from the airport. So someone who's just, you know, been on the road for weeks and is you're driving them in from the airport and they're like, where am I again? Anyways, it's not long before they see that this is a place where they're not just being welcomed on a stage, they're being welcomed by the whole community. They see every coffee shop they go into has a harvest poster in, in the window and people are saying hi to them on the street because they've heard about them on the radio or read about them in the paper for the last number of weeks. Like it's a, a really welcoming place. And I do think that um, that translates. We, we really believe that how that whole environment and community embraces, you know, the festival translates on the stage and creates this like magic. So it's, it's cool to see that come through. And we do hear it back from a lot of those artists on stage that there's just something special about being here. And, and I think we feel that too. Yeah. There's something unique too, Megan, the way you, you talk about that. I mean, if you, if you're, if you're a music festival goer, you know that a lot of them happen on farms or in big fields or, or on an old airstrip or at a military, you know, like they, a place where you can welcome a hundred thousand people and sort of put a stage on either end of the, the field <laughs> yeah. concessions in between. And what's unique about Harvest is that, you know, our festival grounds are, is, it, it are, is, you know, it's downtown Fredericton, right? Like we, we close Queen Street and Carlton Street and parts of York. We, you know, we empty the parking lots we set up there. So your festival ground is, you know, you're walking along, you know, our, our Fredericton's beautiful downtown from tent to tent. Um, and it's, um, I think people, particularly folks who, who aren't from Fredericton, who's, who see the lineup and think, I want to visit mm. whatever, wherever Fredericton New Brunswick is and check this out, are shocked to see that, that they're, you know, that the festival's like inter interwoven in the city, you know. Yeah, we, we talk about the street closure as being our biggest venue, Mark. So, uh, you know, there's the different tents. This year is a little bit different. But um, when we added the street experience, it it doubled the size of our festival, right? It, it just totally changed the amount of people coming, the amount of people that had, a, you know, involvement. And, and that's one of the things a lot of folks look forward to. We And talking about being accessible, like a lot of folks just enjoy that walk down the street, um, and I do talk to a lot of friends who are like, you know, that's the first way that my children got involved that, you know, I just, I took them down and they suddenly became interested in this. And actually at their school, they saw music in the schools. Uh, we had someone performing blues in the schools and, and we came down to see them downtown. It's just all of those little pieces kind of integrated through the, everyone in the community creates this, um, this feeling of people wanting to be involved And in, like, I mean, that's why volunteers want to be involved. That's why businesses want to be involved. It's, yeah, it's amazing to see come together every year. Yeah, and I know just you know as a as a as a Saint Johner who comes up to enjoy the festival, um, I have a ten and twelve year old, and that's and with kids that age, the night shows are just not an option right now. So to, that's how we experience the festival is actually literally going up there with our ten and twelve year old and their cousins or their friends and wandering the streets and experiencing just as it as a street festival. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is actually, an, as you both know, way better than me, is an, a big advantage uh, as we emerge out of the pandemic. I say emerge from the pandemic. We're always fingers crossed when we say that. Um, and I'd actually like actually like to turn the conversation that way toward this year. Right. Because this is going to be all of the things you're talking about right now are going to be amplified because people are going to be so excited to be on the streets for this. Yeah. Uh, and experiencing this festival. I, I just know from the St. John one earlier this summer. 
mm. and how excited people were just to experience live music again at, at 506 here, right? Like uh, you could feel that that energy and it was it was amazing. And imagining that amplified, right, with, with everybody being so excited to just be out in, on the streets and enjoying something like this. Um, a question around that, because I remember we, you know, we spoke uh, a couple months ago uh, just about the upcoming festival and we weren't in the green phase. And I remember, uh, you know, having some conversations with committee members about what September could look like if we do go into green and things do open up. And, and I remember you talking about bringing in, being able to bring in acts from outside the region once we're in green. Um and at, at that time, that all seemed so far away and not impossible, but difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the last couple of months and, and where are we now coming into the festival in terms of your ability to bring in acts from the outside again and, and, and feel comfortable in, in the green phase uh, having this street festival that will have a lot of people there, right? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, one thing I think the, the last 18 months have has taught us is that we've needed to be nimble, right? And we've needed to, to be able to shift quickly uh, and to adapt, adapt the festival model that we've had, the, you know, the last 29 years uh, to sort of, um, uh, to meet whatever regulations would be in place to provide the, you know, and, and for us to, you know, the regulations aside to, to provide the safest experience we possibly can for the, for the concert goers and, and for the volunteers and for the artists and the staff and the crew and the, you know, everyone. So there's been a lot to sort of figure out as we go with respect to the, um, to the international artists we're bringing in. I mean, one of the, one of the advantages we've had over the last uh, 18 months is that we're really well connected uh, in in the industry with other festivals with with artists with agents uh, across North America so we're not the only ones trying to figure this out um, and and you know most of all the the artists have got it figured out so we've worked closely with with um, with all the artists in particular the international ones as there are you know considerations around how they actually get here border wise and what conditions have to be met around testing and that kind of thing to ensure that um, you know we meet all of their uh, their safety requirements and, and vice versa, that they're, you know, that they're ready for us so that, you know, they have to be fully vaccinated They're that, you know, to attend their, their, the artists and their crew. Um, we've got restrictions around where, you know, a, a big sort of like, uh, you know, a, a thing people like about festival atmospheres or about live music, you know, the, the backstage access and all of that kind of stuff. A, a lot of that is, is locked down this year, right? We really want to, we're providing a safe, uh, environment for the for the artists, for the staff, for the volunteers, the crew, and the like, uh, to make sure that um, you know that that uh, we we mitigate all risk as much as we possibly can, um, and we've done that on a, on the patron facing side as well, so that you know for our for our ticketed venues that are indoors, the Blues Tent and the Playhouse, uh, all patrons must be fully vaccinated to attend. So we're requiring proof of vaccination at the, you know, at, at the point of admission for our patrons. Um, and, uh, and that's in line, you know, with, with many, you know, we're seeing more and more venues across North America, uh, put that forward, but also artists are asking that, you know, are saying that it is a condition of, of performing that they need that. So, um, it's been a really good challenge to figure out, to work through how we execute that logistically with our staff and volunteers, how we can still move people into the tent and get the show starting on time. But, you know, so we've been really focused in on that aspect of it. Um, in addition, you know, we're taking all of the precautions that you would you would imagine 
that, that you know you've seen in every aspect of life over the last 18 months so we have reduced capacity in our in our main venue we've moved to contactless payment around uh around our merch and bar sales so you won't be using cash in the blues tent this year and you won't be you know reaching into your pocket for a handful of sweaty beer tokens you know the, the, that'll all be with, uh, with debit and credit and these kinds of things um and you know there will be hand sanitizer everywhere and and we're we're encouraging mask wearing it's not mandatory but you know i think you'll see a lot of mask wearing in, in the venues and the like um in those kind of things and it's been you know it's been challenging logistically to to try to implement all of this mark in, in a short period particularly when you know we've always done things this way for 29 years uh but we've you know we've been working day and night on it and have a team of volunteers ready to go and we've we've received lots of feedback and a lot of really good feedback from patrons who are saying you know this thanks for doing this and, and sponsors too thanks for doing this i'm now comfortable sponsoring or i'm now comfortable attending um the event and and um and um it's felt good to do that as challenging as it's been and, and to know that we're going to be able to to uh to execute on that is really kind of special now yeah um with this year's lineup uh, tell me about some of the the uh, acts that you're excited about that you know three months ago four months ago five months ago couldn't have come into new brunswick but that people are going to be able to enjoy I think, oh, one I know stands out big time is Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. Uh, we're a big favorite. Uh, they performed in our last big festival in 2019. And, and I know that that's um, when, when we speak about the vaccine requirements, that's been something they've been really vocal about is how important that is for them. So I know that um, that was one of our first shows to, to sell out because of all of the excitement around that. So that's one that wouldn't have been able to be here otherwise. Some, and I mean, we do have quite a few acts from the States. At first, when we started talking about planning, we are like, can we do this? And, and I think we really shot for some some large acts we were really looking forward to bringing in. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know some of them were, you know, we wanted to have these folks here in 2020. And like a year ago, they were expected <laughs> to be here. So I know our music programmer was working really closely with folks like like Jason Isbell and uh, in the in in particular a lot of people are excited about john hyatt will be back with the jimmy douglas band here with their new album and those folks are holdovers from 2020 that we just said hey look like stay with us we're gonna make this thing happen people are excited you're coming uh you know and and they did you know so they're you know we're it's um it almost feels like a dream to think that we're we're this far along and we've we've been you know, working and stopping and working and stopping and working and stopping, you know, and, and figuring out how we're going to make it happen. So to see, you know, John Hyde and, and, uh, and Jerry Douglas and Jason Isbell coming in and Grace Potter, the revivalists, uh, you know, who have played the festival uh, on a number of occasions and built a really big following here in New Brunswick uh, as a result, I think, of Harvest, they tell you. And uh, um, to have them here on our 30th anniversary in, in a year where we're rebounding and recovering and, and back, you know, back, back in the blues tent in downtown Fredericton is really special. It, it, it's very, I mean, it's very exciting to have both the 30th anniversary and, you know, the first big festival coming out of the pan, pandemic, right? With, with no restrictions around having outside acts come here beyond, of course, restrictions in terms of, of following protocols, but, but you're able to do it, right? You're able to bring them in. Um, did it, did it a couple months ago, a few months ago, did it feel like rolling the dice to an extent, right? Cause we, <laughs> We knew we knew the province had the plan to get us here, right? 
Yeah. A couple and weeks ago, we're... even, Mark. <laughs> What's that? He said, even a couple weeks ago, it might have felt that <laughs> way, right? <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a lot of back and forth. And I think that that's what um, we were almost pa- planning parallel in parallel for a long time. And we were like, okay, are we going to, are we going to do this? It, it did feel like it was dicey, but the payoff was that idea. Like we, we kept kind of going back to this idea of we really want to do this for the community. We really want to make this happen and bring people back into it, obviously in a really safe way, but we want to put something on stage that people are going to feel excited about. It's going to feel that little bit of familiarity that we've had with Harvest over these last, you know, 29 years before this. That's what we're, we're trying to bring back. It does still feel like there's a lot to work out and, and we know that um, there's still, you know, unknowns have happened to us this entire way along. So we're just rolling with them. Like Jeff said, we really learned how to be, you know, as agile and flexible as we can and roll roll with it. But I, I do think that seeing stuff sort of coming to that point where, you know, we're a couple of days out from our first show of this festival. And there was a while where I was just really crossing my fingers and now it's, it's happening. Well, thanks a lot for your time. Um, before we close, is there anything else you'd like to highlight? I guess one thing would be to, you know, it, it, just thinking about the fact that we are, we are back and we are offering live music again, uh, that the part of the, uh, part of our goal really was to, this year was to provide as much programming as we could for, for as many different, uh, uh audience types of audience members who might be out there we recognize not everybody is ready uh to to go into a tent again right and stand shoulder to shoulder even though you know we're requiring full vaccination and that kind of thing so we've actually got as part of our 30th anniversary probably more uh more free programming than ever before uh happening outside so there's four full days of music in officer square this year uh that people can take in for free um, you know, we've got buskers coming in from across the country. We've got lots of live music on street corners and, and a little something for everybody. So even if you're just taking in the street experience, you're really going to get that harvest feeling um, and, and get the ability to, to, to come out and sort of uh, uh, experience a nice community event again. So we're, we're excited about that, Mark, excited to have people back harvesting downtown. And in terms of the um, ticket availability for uh, the, the paid shows, is there, is there still a lot of opportunity for people to get tickets to shows? There's, there is still a lot of opportunity. Yeah, we've got, uh, there are a couple of shows that are sold out now and tickets are still going fast. Uh, if, if you're interested in John Hyatt or Grace Potter, uh, I'd grab those soon. <laughs> We're really starting to watch them fly. And as we get closer to the festival, um, we're selling more and more every day as people are getting more comfortable, more excited and the buzz is in the air. So we have availability, but I wouldn't sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> now I have to, I have to ask now, I know you're, you know, you're both, uh, organizing this and, and the whole festival is very meaningful to, to both of you, but I would I'd like to la- ask as a final question, as music fans, uh, what you're, what each of you is most excited about? And I know it's going to be hard for you to take it all in because you're going to be so busy uh, holding it, uh, carrying it off as organizers. But what are you excited about? This is where I always am just, I don't know. I, I think about, I am really excited to see John Hyatt. And, and I was excited before and I saw him when he was here before. But there's this piece of um, hearing 
folks starting to listen to that music this week. It's stuff I haven't revisited for a couple years. And this week I started, you know, you just put your playlist on in the background. I started putting that on and listening to some of the tunes with Jerry Douglas and looking at some of those videos. And that to me feels very harvest. Like um, I listen to all different types of music, but that to me feels like something that I would never have been exposed to if it weren't for harvest. And I, I really value that. So I'm excited to um, see John Hyatt on stage at harvest again. I think that's really exciting. Yeah, that's a good one. How about you, Jeff? Um, I, there, I'll give you two answers if I can, because there's one, I'm I'm really excited to see Lily Hyatt this Friday night. I've been listening to her for a couple of years now. I was, it's, it's what, she's one of these artists that I think that when I look at Harvest lineups and I think, really, this person's coming? Like, <laughs> what are the chances that Lily Hyatt would be in this neck of the woods? So I'm really excited to see her. Um, it, outside of that, it's, it's really, um, you know, there, I don't want to say, you know, we keep hearing live music's back and, and live music has been here. Like a lot of, there've been venues in the city who have been, who have, you know, against all odds hosted live music throughout the pandemic, even if they could only accommodate six people or eight people, you know, at the <laughs> yeah. News or at Dolan's pub or at the cap, all these folks have been making it happen. Um, so, so that's been uh, a really amazing. What I'm excited for the, this coming week is that, all those bands who were playing to the to those smaller rooms are now have a chance to uh, be in a festival and be intermingled with these international, national and international and regional acts and, and get big audiences again and feel that what it's like at, at Harvest and to walk around downtown and see them play on the street corner, then in Officer Square, then in the Blues Tent or at the Playhouse. I mean, that, that's seeing our, our local and regional musicians again in this kind of atmosphere, I think is is maybe the most exciting thing uh, uh, coming up for me. Yeah. Right. And, and that's a really good point. Cause I mean, obviously we've been talking a little bit in this chat about your ability to bring in musicians from outside the region for obvious reasons. It's, it's a first right for, for us in the province, but it's also another opportunity for the region's top musicians to take the stage as well. Right. And play. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah our, our first show at the playhouse is uh, David miles, yeah. you know, hometown, hometown guy back on on the big stage really excited just released a new album so all of those moments such a good point Jeff and I think that's one of the magic pieces of Harvest too is that um, when the organizers first put this together 30 years ago um, they wanted to build that music community in Fredericton they wanted to build music fans and with that also get people to recognize the amazing talent we have here so there's always this piece of you know you've got that big international headliner and you know, we've, we've had cases where those headliners are sitting down watching someone opening for them who's from, you know, from New Brunswick and just sitting there being like, man, this is a great show. All right. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to me. Hey, thanks, Mark. Thanks it was a lot, real Mark. pleasure. All right. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to the latest episode of Home Office. Thanks, Megan and Jeff, for the great chat. This episode was produced by me, Mark Legere, and Tyler McLean. You can subscribe to the show on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend us to a friend.